Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. My name's Nathan. Hi. Hi. I, I feel like I'm disappointing some of you. And here's why. You, some of you have said, where's your accent? Some of you are here and you're thinking, oh, this guy, and, and you know, I remember he, he's going he's gonna to preach and he's going he's gonna to have an accent, and now you're already hearing my voice and you're saying, oh, you sound the same as you did last time. So I'm really sorry. I'm, I've tried, I'm trying, every day I'm trying. Um, at my workplace over in Edinburgh, I'm, I walk in and I don't say hello, I don't say g'day, I, I've left, you know, I say, all right, Paul, because that's what you say. Is anyone here from in Scotland or been to Scotland or lived in Scotland, UK? Well, then just believe me. Um, <laughs> all right, Paul, that's, that's what you say. When I first caught buses and stuff in Edinburgh, um, uh, in Australia, in our accent, you know, in Australia, pal is a little bit aggressive, isn't it? Like if someone says pal, it's usually like you hit my car pal or, you know, let go of my dog pal or something. I don't, that's never happened to me, but, but, but so when I, used to, when I first got to Edinburgh and I was catching buses and the bus driver would say, thanks, pal, I'd feel like, settle, I'm, I'm giving, I'm just trying to get, God. They also, can I, and I love, Scotland is our adopted home, and so I love Scotland, I love it, but there's another little different thing, and if we, I can see that we all come from a bunch of different cultures, so you share with me in that whole different culture thing, but thumbs up in Australia means, like, good, good job. You made the correct decision, good. But in Scotland, thumbs up means, like, thank you. And that seems like a mild difference. Except when you're driving and you let someone in and they go, and you go, I didn't do the right thing. Like, it, it wasn't an error that I nearly made. No, you're saying, you, you're just thanking me. I could, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I get a little bit, like, thumbs up. I go, yeah, well, thank you for being so patronising. I think I know what I'm doing. Just, but they don't, you know, my Scottish brothers and sisters don't mean that. Um, so good to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that um, my pastors, Mel and Paul, are having a holiday. I insisted that they didn't, but they apparently, it's it's good. Uh, so, so we bless them. We honour them. We love Mel and Paul. Um, they are Lisa and I's pastors. Um, we know that you love them too. Uh, aren't they incredible? Uh, they're so amazing. And I love being here. Have I mentioned that already? Should I mention it again? I love being here. It's so great. I've got to tell you, um, uh, things have changed. You know, I've been back once a little bit, but things, you guys, uh, there's a second service now, and, um, but, but I want to tell you something. As, as a guy who watches from afar and then just drops in ever so infrequently, there is something bigger in this place than I've seen before. It's, and, and I don't mean, I don't, like, you, you know, you guys are growing and it's wonderful, but I don't mean that. I mean the spirit of the place. I mean, like, heaven's open in this place. I'm not saying, like, it's always, but it's all, you know what I mean, though? It's different in such a way. I mean, that worship was incredible. The presence of God, he's, oh, he's doing something new. Or maybe he's not doing something new for you, but this is amazing. <laughs> maybe you're like, Whatever. 
And it's so good to see, it's so wonderful to see, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm mindful that some of us, some of you know me, and a lot of you don't know me, um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about me in a moment, but I want to say to those, I've, look at these people, I'm looking at people who are just, you know, grown incredible uh, capacity and anointing on them. I'm watching people like, like Dylan, um, you know, is it okay to pick on you again? <laughs> this guy, um, he was, when I, when I departed and went to Scotland, he was already an incredible man of God. Already. And, he, and but just to see him so with such grace and peace and, you know, just encourage us over this uncluttered gospel over the communion was, was powerful. And the band, I know people in the band, and, and, you know, people walking around, I'm like, look at everybody. You, all these people are taller and stronger and bigger. And um, it's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm about to, um, I'm about to preach uh, part two, I believe, of a series on. Um, good news, and it's part, part one was, was Stuart last, last week, and I haven't, I, I tell you, I don't even need to have heard that message to know that it would have been magnificent, because this guy can preach. I, Stuart is, uh, he's one of my, uh, not geographically closest, but he's one of my heroes, one of my closest mates, so, so he is anointed, it would have been, so I hope I can, no, I'll be fine, I'm good. Let me tell you, three years ago, we, um, we, we, three and a bit years ago, we moved our family, we sold our beautiful home, and we, we moved to Scotland. Um, we, we went over there not knowing how to plant a church. Um, we continue to not know how to plant a church, but God is growing the church. Um, we started in our flat, um, and I tell you, I might have told you, I might, you know, it's really hard to start a church from a flat when no one knows who you are. <laughs> Uh, and, and let me, I, and I don't blame people because it's, it's, cre- it's a little creepy. Like, I, my life was, hey, you should come to church. Like, man, you know, you should, and, and they go, yeah, where is it? And I'm like, um, up there in the flat. Um, we won't lock the door behind, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, who's the pastor? Well, I guess I I'm, am. And who'll go if I come? Well, it'll be my wife, uh, Lisa, who, who'll be worship leading, and it'll be the kids and you. So I don't know how to start a church, but we, God has moved, and, 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 and Miley, Miley somewhere, he came to join us, um, and some other, God brought some other people to join us, and one by one, person by person, church has been growing. So I'm here to bring good reports to you this morning, that the church that you planted out of this heart uh, is thriving in Edinburgh today. It is, it is. So we've just passed, um, oh no, we're about 70 members now, we're about 70 people. Yeah. We should. We're about. We're growing, so it it makes the flat really tricky to function out of. No, we're meeting in a great place. We've got some photos. Um, thought you might be interested. Uh, there's. I asked for some photos, and these are the ones that uh, the team sent me, and I love it. I am a little embarrassed now because they're mostly of me, and you don't need to see photos of me because I'm right here. But this is some of our people uh, in our, at our recent Easter service, just worshiping God. Um, we gather every week in this beautiful facility that we've been blessed to, to, to be in. Uh, people are getting saved. People are getting healed. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Incredible days are happening um, in our church. Lisa, Lisa, there, hi, Lisa. Um, 
my, my four-year-old was here earlier, and at, when she first came in, she was a little dazzled by how big you guys have grown, and uh, she was a little bit dazzled by uh, the noise, because we still go acoustic vibe with the cajon and stuff like that. But, but what she was thrilled at is the welcome cards, because it's got this logo on it, and she went, oh, they've got our logo. <laughs> they, they do other. So I said, yeah, no, they borrowed it. It's fine. We, we're okay with that. Um, you should see every, every, all of our good ideas, they're just, they're just, they're just doing. <laughs> That's not true. Don't be silly. Um, so I am pre- you can see the title there, right? God of the long play. God of the long play. And I guess this morning I want to I share with you a little bit about where we've been going as a church, a little bit about what we've uh, been journeying through where we, we seek to reach the lost of Edinburgh, uh, what it means for Lisa and I, what it means for all of us. And I think there's, uh, I know God has got a word in here uh, for you. Uh, absolutely he does. Um, and I guess it starts with this thought. Sometimes I think, and sometimes maybe you think, that the world isn't looking for Jesus. Like, and I know theologically you think he is because you read the Bible and he, it's all about that. But in practice, in work and in life and in the things that you do, and you, meet, you know, on Monday everyone's talking about their weekends and everyone seems so fine. But can I tell you, just refreshly remind you, that the world yearns for its true north. It is seeking. She is seeking. He is seeking. Your family member is seeking Jesus. Is that a, that's, that's, that's where we need to begin. Let it, let it, they, know, they might not know it, they might know it, but they are seeking. And then I think this, I have discovered Christ. And you, many here have discovered Christ. And, and, and you have discovered in him, and I, as I have, that, that in Christ I have found the well that never runs dry. And in Christ I've discovered the love that never runs out. And, and in Christ I've discovered the light that never dims. And, and in Christ I've discovered the attention that never sleeps. I've discovered all of these things, and yet sometimes, if you're honest, and if I'm being honest, sometimes I still feel like I'm wrangling a little bit with, with, I found my true north, but what do I do with this light and this salt and this, what do I do with that? Like, should I, should I, should I ask the big questions about, about giving, or should I ask big questions about who's missionaries, and what spiritual gift have I got, and, and, and should we... be politicians as Christians, and all of these questions that float around, all of them are good. But can I suggest to you that the deepest, truest, rightest center of your your north, it's not vague. Your purpose on the planet isn't confusing or musky or foggy. I've discovered it's not that. I'm convinced my truest north and yours is seeing people around you reconciled with God and fully alive in Christ. That's their true north. That's your true north. Why? Why? How can I? Because, because I look at Jesus' life and I see that when you listen to Jesus speak about the reason why he came, he said things like, I came to seek and save the lost. When I, when, when I look at what satisfied him most, I, it's not confusing. It's not vague. He, he's really clear about what satisfies him most. When he finished with talking to the woman on the well and woman at the well and seeing her life changed he said i'm satisfied i have food you don't even know about boys i have food you don't even know about he's satisfied in his soul and then and then you might think and i as i might you know okay well that's jesus and jesus is the son of god what about me except that before he left he took that heart 
and he laid it down called the Great Commission and he said, now you go. You go and make disciples. You go and do it. When you do that, you locate yourself there. You start to live from a, a heart of, you know, my truest of north is to see people changed. You will find a bounce in your step. Here's the thing. I've met Christians who, I've met Christians, no one here, but I've met Christians who, who start to look over the years a little bit, um, I don't know, like, like when you've got a T-shirt and you've washed it a hundred times and it gets faded. You just see they look a bit faded. Or I've, I've seen Christians who, who have lost the bounce in their step of faith and, and, their, and their, their, their passion, and, and they say, and it's okay, it's just because I'm not a new Christian anymore and I'm, I'm more mature now. And I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I used to think that a person who has that bounce on their step, has, has, has fire on their life, is full of colour, and, 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 you know, they're the types of people who are going out and confessing Christ and finding whom they might talk to Jesus about and, 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 and who they might reach. Uh, but I've started to think that maybe the opposite's equally true, that, that, that there's something about opening your mouth and talking about Jesus in your life and, and, and starting to confess Christ that brings you the bounce to your step again, that brings the colour back to your faith again. What if that's the case? What if somebody here just thinks this morning, oh man, that's what it is. Who can I confess Christ to on Monday? I need the bounce. Luke 15, 1 to 11. Let's read that. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Suppose, says Jesus, one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Say, loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, church, they finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and then he calls his friends and neighbours together and he says, rejoice with me. Say, rejoice with me. Like that. I have found my lost sheep. And then I tell you, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Let me walk this way and let's continue. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't, say loses. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, say finds it. She calls her friends and neighbours together and she says, rejoice with me. Say rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then Jesus told them a parable, but I'll end it there and I'll just paraphrase the parable, which is, it's, maybe you've read it, maybe you've heard it, but it's the one where uh, there's two sons and one goes out and says, give me my inheritance, and he squanders it all, and, 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 and then he realises it's a mistake and he's lost, so he comes back and he's found, and then his dad rejoices. Do you see the theme? Do you see the rhythm? Here's the rhythm. Lost, found, rejoice. Lost, found, rejoice. If I had more time, I'd get you saying lost, found, rejoice. And we get something happening. But just uh, in your life groups this week, you can do that. Um, lost, found, rejoice. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. A found sheep, a found coin, a found son. And then rejoice, and then rejoice, and then rejoice. Church, if you are looking for where the party of God is, it's always where lost things are found. Always there. And I could preach on that, man. I want to. I know you want me to. But actually, but actually, 
Um, I'm not, I feel very strongly that what God has for me today to bless you with isn't that word as much as it's the elephant in the room when we preach about stuff like this. And here's the elephant. The elephant is that we get excited and we get passionate and we say, yeah, I'm going to do that on Monday. I'm going to do that on Tuesday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek. I'm going to confess. And then there are going to be people who say, no. Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever spoken to someone, um, and you, I know you have, and you've started the conversation and it's all going well, but then you say Jesus and you see the cringe? <laughs> and you know you've lost them. So you go, do I go further or do I just come back out and talk about the football or something? I don't know. Um, and, and, and that's, and, you know, we, make, we can make fun of, we can make light of it, but, man, we're talking about our family, right? Mm. Talking about our friends, we're talking about those closest to us. So uh, the elephant in the room is we get excited here and as well we should about the saving, transforming power of Jesus and how the world needs to hear. But I want to speak to us all who live in the real world in Canberra on Monday to Friday uh, and people are cringing and people are far from God. And you've invited them, you've done all the things, but they're still... the elephant in the room. I mean, God says, Jesus said, the, the, the fields are white for harvest, and I believe it. But sometimes I think maybe he was talking about other fields and not mine, because mine don't seem, it's difficult. But he's more right than my experience. So what's going on? What's going on? What we need to know, what you need to know this morning, and what I've learned in, in, in being the pastor of a church plant in Edinburgh, is that our God He's not just the God of the instant. He's the God of the long game. Hands up right now in this place, if you've got a friend or a family member who is far from God, uh, and you, it's not that you haven't talked to about it before, but they're just nothing. Yeah. They're just not, they're not interested. You need to know that God is the God of the long game. And this is where I'm thrilled, actually. This is where I'm thrilled because I can't talk about cricket in Scotland because nobody cares about cricket in Scotland. So I'm relishing this moment with the caveat that I know about the recent scandal. It's made world news. I heard about it in my end. And I'm like, ooh, Australia. But, <laughs> but tw- a lot of us think that our, our reaching out to others is like a 2020 match. It's happening. It's happening. It's here. It's gone. They said, I invited them. They said, no. What am I going to do? Oh, I guess it's, you know. But often it's a test match. Often it's a test match, which if you're not into cricket, that's missed you. So let me go another layer. <laughs> Paul, and we love this one, Paul um, got saved on the road to Damascus. Do you remember that in the book of Acts? And that was, that was quick, man. He was totally anti-Jesus, and then Jesus appeared to him, and he got blind, and, and it changed and transformed his life. And our prayer is often, God, that that would happen to our friends, that would happen with our family. But we forget that that's not the every case. For every Paul on the road to Damascus, there's a James, the brother of Jesus. Have you heard about him? So he is, uh, you see him in the Gospels, actually. He's not mentioned much, but he's mentioned once or twice. But when he's mentioned, he's not hanging out with Jesus, one of his team. He doesn't believe in Jesus. So he spent 30 years saying, nah, not really, brother. And then three years of ministry time with Jesus saying, yeah, not really, brother. I don't, I'm on a, I don't know. You know, Jesus said, hey, look, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And he, cringe. But something happened in the long game. And he became a pivotal, pivotal feature in the Jerusalem church. 
So for every Paul, there's a James, and both are okay. That's my message to you this morning, because God is God of the long game. God is God of the long game. You see, I believe that accepting Jesus is more a journey than a single moment in time. You see, the the Bible calls Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, right? So I'm imagining my story of my faith not being, and many of most of us isn't, first chapter, first line, first sentence, and then Nathan got to know me. I don't think I, uh, that's not my story. My story is maybe I met Jesus page 102, paragraph 3, but Jesus wrote from page 1. You know what I mean? Someone, some of us here would say that you followed Jesus from a very early age. That's great. That's ch- Someone else would say here that maybe you, uh, it took you a, long, a longer journey and, and pay, it, was, it was chapter 22 before you met Jesus. My point is, Jesus is the author of it all. Your friends and your family, uh, even if they're at chapter 2, 12, 22, 32, they're still on the journey and he's still the author of it all. So don't you dare get discouraged. Your friends and loved ones may not have encountered Jesus yet, but don't you be fatalistic about it because God is God of the long play. And here's the thing too. I don't want to make you feel sad, but you know how much you love your friends and your family? You don't love them as much as Jesus. I'm not saying that I know how much you love your friends and your family, but I am saying I know that Jesus loves them more. So, so when you and I are stretched out and feeling discouraged and saying, they're never going to, they're never going to go, what's the point? I want to tell you and encourage you today that he knows the point and he's not giving up. He's after them. He's after them like the song we sang. He's coming after them. He's coming after them. Listen, I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know how to plant a church. Um, I still don't yet know that. But um, God is growing it. God is, God is causing this church to thrive. And one thing that we're talking about as a church in, in Edinburgh is, is our collective passion that, that we can't grow the church, but he can. And our friends and family need him, and we don't know what to do, but he does. What we do know how to do is take Scripture, and, um, and so actually it's in Luke 5, 8, 5 to 8. I might get the band up as, as, I, as I expand on this one. Um, it's a story of the farmer and the seed, I might not go through it word for word, but you write that down and you read it in your homework. But Luke 8, 5 to 8 is the farmer and the seed. Do you remember the story? The, the, the farmer is God. The seed is unchanging. The farmer's the same, the seed's the same, but the environment in which it's planted is different. And do you remember there's a, there's a, there's a path and there's a shallow ground and there's a, there's a thorny ground and there's a beautiful ground. And what we've discovered and what we are dreaming of as a as a as a thriving church in Scotland, is that God will bring the salvation. God will do his thing. What we can do is we can think about the soil, the environment of the people whom we love. So for everyone who put up their hand before about having a friend or loved one who's far from God, I'd love to share it with you. This is the things that you can be doing because we are not passive in the journey. If you have friends and family and your friends and family are totally cringy, totally not in, in no, matter, no matter, you know, they're just not into anything to do with Jesus. They're, it's like their heart is on the, their, their seat is on the path. But the antidote for hardness is prayer. It'll soften the heart. Your job then is to pray. 
Your job then is to pray. And we're going to finish the service with a moment where we can pray again. We already did at the beginning of the service, do you remember? But we're going to pray again for those who seem so far, so hard, that the hearts would be softened. But here's what we know. Just as Jesus isn't the author and salvation isn't just that moment where they say, yes, Jesus, end of story. We know that there's, a, there's, there's, there's something, there's life after that too. So as a church that we know that whilst we pray for the lost around us, we also know that we have to be ready because people will say yes to Jesus. But the second part of the parable is the shallow soil, isn't it? Shallow soil, uh, shallow soil means that it has no place to put their roots down and roots are about relationship. So here's, as a church, here's what we all need to be doing. Hey, we need to create such a community, such a culture that encourages roots to go down. So that when your friends and your family come in to know Him, they have a, the, the strongest winds, the hottest day, the hardest circumstance. They have a relationship, a community around them on their left and their right who've got them. In your life group, in your youth ministry, in kids' church, in every area, that's what we can be doing. Then there's the thorny ground. You remember the thorny ground? Well, we're praying. Here's what we're doing. We're, 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 we're communicating that worship is incredible. Worship is an antidote to a thorn, thorn-filled life. And here's why. Because worship is, second, is, is nothing less than surrender. And when you worship, by default, you're saying, you, not me. You, not my money. You, not my relationships. You, nothing else. And a life built on you and nothing else is the antidote to any kinds of thorns in your life. That every life would live that fourth one, thriving, growing, completing that book, helping Jesus complete His book of every person on this planet. God is the God of the long game. My message to you this morning is don't you dare be discouraged with the people that you see around you who aren't yet there. God is God of the long game. He hasn't forgotten. He's not slow. They're on a journey. He's not given up. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.